Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I am Perrin, and I have with me the captain of the ship, Mark Webster. Mark, how you doing? Fantastic. How are you, Perrin? Good, man. Gearing up for Thanksgiving. It's before Thanksgiving right now. It'll be after Thanksgiving when this comes out. So we're going to have a fun podcast today. It's a very passionate rant style podcast, I think, with a few tips to help you out. Before we get into that, though, we want to let you know that the Authority Site system, which is the system that helps people build their first authority site using the exact processes I used to create an $8,500 a month store and then sell that later for a very healthy six figures. That course is going to be on sale at a 45% discount for how long, Mark? So this is going out Monday. So it's basically until tonight, midnight tonight, it closes. So make sure you jump in and get that while you can, because that is not a discount we can keep live forever. It's just our Black Friday sale. So if you are looking to build your first authority site, that's probably one of the best courses you can find. We take a lot of pride in what we teach there. So go check that out. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to look at the show notes, you can find those at authorityhacker.com backslash passive income. We're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about the idea, the myth, the legend of passive income. And to be honest, I have wanted to write a big ranty blog post about this. And my working title has always been screw your passive income, which might give you an idea of where I stand. But passive income is uh, an idea that I think draws a lot of people to internet marketing. It's literally, I can remember the Googling passive income when I first started <laughs> like getting annoyed at my job. So people love this idea of passive income and it can be good. It can be bad. I don't think it was necessarily, well, maybe it was helped and hurt a little bit by Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, but I think it also led to lots of misconceptions. So today we're going to talk about the idea of passive income, what's great about passive income, what's not so great about passive income, maybe some misconceptions, and then also sort of where the spectrum exists. And then how you can take whatever online business you have and make it a little bit more passive. So let's get started. Mark, why don't you take us into it? All right. So I've also been looking forward to this for for quite a while. I think just to sort of set the scene, both you and I come from a somewhat similar path into, and in terms of how we got into online marketing, we both sort of had jobs we weren't, or career paths that we weren't really too keen on initially and then uh, perhaps tried to move away from that and find something else anything else and certainly in, in my case it came through the the four hour work week route that is reading the book not actually living the lifestyle we'll get into that in a sec but <laughs> i wanted to first sort of clarify what we mean or what other people mean when they say passive income if you go on the sales page for many online marketing products and courses and blogs, you will find copious references to passive income. But what essentially is it? Well, for me, it's always been 
this concept of like making money without actively working on it. So to give you an example from a website perspective, that would be the idea that you can sit on a beach sipping cocktails for a whole month, log in perhaps once a week, perhaps at the end of the month and get a check from Amazon and that's going to see you over to the next month or, or, or hopefully even more. I would say the reality is somewhat different from that. I don't know anybody that does that. Although I do know uh, a number of people who don't really work very much and still manage to do all right for themselves. And as we get further into this, you'll think we'll sort of discover that it's not really a black or white thing. Income's not really passive or active. It's always somewhere in, in the middle, shades of gray, as it were. To give you guys a sort of real life positioning, just to, to throw a few ideas out there of what passive income may be in a sort of financial sense. I have three examples. I just want to thank you you to think of real quick. So the first one is earning money on interest in a bank account. Seems relatively passive. Uh, the second one's earning money in dividends from a stock which you own. Also seems very passive. And the third is earning money renting a property which you own. Also seems very passive. And if you go to any financial website, most of these would be categorized or tagged as relatively passive in, in some sense, I would imagine. But if you actually dig into it, None of those three are truly passive. They all require some activity on your part to kind of operate. So the property example, you're renting that out, then uh, you know you need to find a tenant, you need to make the place look nice, you need to collect the money. Even if you have someone else doing that, you need to manage them to make sure they're doing it properly. Are they charging the right amount of rent? All that sort of stuff. It's never completely hands-off. If you take the case of the dividends of a stock, it's perhaps a little more hands-off than that. But you still got to also watch the market, be able to you know, sell at the right time if that's the thing. You need to learn if the company's overvalued or undervalued. You, know, you need to sort of stay on top of things. Even with a bank account, that's still the case. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you, know, you can just have millions of dollars in a bank account and just collect interest on it. That's not really true. As anyone living in Cyprus in 2013 find out, find out when uh, banks did a, a raid on savings over, I think it was 100,000 euros. I didn't have any money in there at the time, so it's not a personal experience. But the point is you kind of have to stay on top of things, even in the most extremely sort of passive scenarios there. Yeah, when it comes to sort of online marketing, what we mean when we say passive income or what someone means when they say passive income, it varies a lot. So real quick, I'd just like to touch on that. I think that's one of the most important myths to be busted is that even at the extreme ends, something like a bank account or owning stocks, Passive, like truly passive income where you are doing nothing and there is no activity and you are just getting money short of winning the lottery. It's like a point in space, like mathematically, it's impossible to, you know, find this thing, the passive income. It's basically a unicorn. So I think it's a myth that can be busted only with a tiny bit of like theoretical thinking and a little bit of common sense, but it gets, I think, even murkier when we start talking about online marketing and we start talking about what people really want and trying to nail that down, especially because we have courses that try to help people mostly achieve that, right? I think it basically it exists nowhere, but with online marketing, people are constantly striving for it. So yeah, maybe what, what does it mean for online marketers? When people are Googling passive income, when they're in a cubicle at a job they hate, 
what do they mean? So it varies a lot and there's not really one strict definition of it because as you said, you know, there's no such thing as pure 100% passive income. Even the lottery example you use, you still have to get out, out there and go buy the ticket and call up to cash it in, you know, that's not passive. It's not very, very active, of course, I give you that. But in the case of online marketing, essentially what's happening, what happens is people use it as a sales tool because it's an extremely attractive thing extremely attractive concept for lots of people and they're buying into this idea that they can make a lot of money without doing a lot of work and if you say to anyone in the world hey you can make a lot of money and you don't have to do a lot of work everyone automatically wants that because it aligns with most people's sort of life goals of uh, you know even if you're not seeking to be a millionaire or whatever if you're trying to be a spiritually enlightened person as you can having the income and safety and security that passive income would bring in theory would allow you to achieve those other goals as well. So from a sales perspective, it's very appealing. It's very eye-catching. I think that's why the four-hour work week, which is Tim Ferriss's book, I think it came out maybe eight or nine years ago, something like that. I sold 1.3 million copies since it's been out, according to Wikipedia. I don't know when that was last updated. But I would sort of put out there, like, what percentage of those people do you think actually started a business? And of those, what percentage of them do you think work four hours or less per week? I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, what online marketers mean, because it was sort of an epiphany I had after I was building my first site. So my first site was a penny shaved, and I had the expectation going in. And if you've been following me for any number of years, you'll know that I built that site because I won a contest to work with Spencer Hawes over at Niche Pursuits, and he trained me as my mentor and helped me build my first, what we called then, niche site. And it was about shaving, and a lot of you probably know that story. Going in, my goal was to build something that earned me passive income. And it was a myth that was busted pretty quickly for me, and I realized that it wasn't going to be passive, at least not in the beginning. So I think when we talk about online marketing, one of the myths that I like to bust about passive income right up front is that it doesn't mean no work. And that even if a business is passive, there is a lot of work up front, no matter what you do. And so when we talk about net sites and authority sites, I usually think of it as like front loading all of your work. So you're putting in a ton of hours at the start so that you can buy yourself a lot more free time at the end. Yeah, that's, but I, I just want to interject that. there. That's like the famous entrepreneur thing. It's like, you you know, you do, I forget how the saying goes, but it's like you do what people in their 20s aren't willing to do so that in your 40s you can live like no one else can, something like that. It's kind of the same with this. And that that's why I think it's kind of somewhat disingenuous to make these claims about passive income, especially to the people considering buying your course or probably have full-time jobs as well. So it's going to be anything but passive at the start for them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why in, in the authority site system, we have a whole lesson on expectations and a whole lesson on like budget and stuff because we want people to go in with a lot of realism. But when I was thinking about that, I had to kind of have a conversation with myself. Like, what does passive income mean for me? Because all I had read up until then were sales pages, you know, people promising me passive income. I could do nothing and get money. And what I landed on as an online marketer was that passive income didn't mean doing nothing. 
and getting money. What it meant was that I no longer have to trade my time for money. So instead of going to work and working 40 hours a week and then based on the amount that I work, I get X amount of dollars. What passive income meant to me is that the money I was generating was no longer tied to the time that I was putting in. That essentially is freedom from requirements for work. And so that's not a strict definition in like a literal semantic sense of passive income. But I think what lots of online marketers want, what lots of online marketers are promising, what we like to help people achieve is money that comes in without requiring you to put in a certain number of hours and giving you that additional flexibility. I think if you want to sort of like iron it or bolt it down to a formula, in the case of, let's say you're working for $15 an hour, if you want more money, you know, you just work more hours, right? But then you hit a hard ceiling at sort of 40, 50, maybe 60, 70 hours a week if you're really like pushing it hardcore and you just can't make any more money at that. So in order to increase your output, like how much you're making, you need to leverage yourself. You need to leverage your time and you need to do that by either hiring people, developing processes, basically doing anything you can to make yourself more efficient at doing what you're doing so you can focus on higher and higher and higher value activities. And that's essentially all that running a business is. That's not a specific thing to online marketing. That's any business. Is that's, that's ultimately what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, I like to think about Rich Dad, Poor Dad which is a pretty good book about wealth building. And I think it applies nicely to the idea of passive income, especially for online marketers. But the gist of that book can be boiled down into the idea that if you want to become wealthy, it's not about working more. It's about accumulating more assets. And that's basically what we're talking about when we're talking about what we mean as online marketers in terms of passive income is instead of trading time for money, we are building assets that generate money. Even if they take time, the ceiling gets a lot higher because you front load your work for every asset and you can put a bunch of work in and build an authority site. That authority site generates income, maybe not totally passively, but you can build systems and so it's minimal maintenance for you. And then you can work on building the next one so that over time, you've got a bunch of assets that earn money instead of you just having to work more hours. Why are we doing a podcast about this, Mark? Just in your view personally, I know I have a vendetta on passive income. I want revenge for passive income lying Who to do you me, want revenge on? Um, why do we, just internet marketers, the people I always want revenge on. I actually have a different perspective on things. I mean, I, I know what you're saying about the, the, the sort of passive income thing, but I actually, I'm really happy that I got sucked into that four-hour work week concept at the start because that kind of brought me over the line and brought me into this whole world in a way that without that sort of initial false promise, if I can go that far, I wouldn't have sort of learned about all this and, and got in there in, in the first place. So in a way that, you know, in a roundabout way, that sort of led me to the light, as it were. So yeah. Yeah. And for me, I had a similar experience. And I put a bunch of work into my first site. And I got it to the point where it was making like $1,300. And then I had like this eight month period where I was like, man, I did it. I'm getting passive income because I was getting a check for like thirteen dollars or $1,500 every single month. And eventually, and I think this happens to a lot of people, 
at a working site. And it dawned on me, believe it or not, one day that if I did more stuff to that site, that site might make more money. And there were, I think there were like 20 articles on that site or something when it was earning 1300 bucks a month. And, you know, it seems like a silly revelation, but having been chasing passive income and having quote unquote achieved it, the idea of doing more work is something I just did not think about. But when I did, when I started thinking about what other content I could put on the site and how I might grow it, it shot up or my you know, quote unquote, passive income shot up from $1,300 a month to like $4,400 a month. So yeah, they've got a successful site. They start working on it and like, oh yeah, if I do put more work in, I will get more money. And then the illusion of passive income starts to kind of disintegrate and people start to want to put more time into this, the things that they've built while retaining the option to not work on it. Yeah, and just to be clear, it's not putting more inefficient time. It's putting more equally efficient or even more efficient time into it, which is leveraged in such a way that, you know, you're for every additional hour you're putting in, you're getting, you know, more than the current hourly, essentially, in return, long term, at least. Uh, I mean, a lot of this stuff isn't isn't instantaneous reward. It's worth sort of reminding ourselves of that. But I totally agree with what you're saying. And uh, I, I see it a lot. People chase this passive income thing. And then before they know it, they're actually just running a business. The skills and like the effort and the motivation and the, the just raw hustle that you need to create a four-hour workweek style business, which can reasonably support you is the is the exact same i'd go as far as say it's harder to do that than just to start a regular business which is doing this so if you can do one thing then you can do the other and once you have a regular business i mean why stop there why stop at you know three four or five k a month why not go to 30k why not go to 50k a month the skills you need to 10x that are the same skills that you need to get rid of 90 percent of your workload if that makes sense yeah totally and i think that is kind of one of the reasons that we wanted to do a podcast about it because it's not that, you know, mostly passive income doesn't exist. It's, I think that running in the circles that we run in and knowing all the successful people that we know who have really awesome online businesses and then also teaching people who don't have businesses yet how to create them we see this pattern over and over again where people are chasing passive income and then when it, when they have the opportunity to really do nothing almost nobody takes it and they realize that either online marketing is fun or they can make a lot more money if they build systems and remove themselves from their business but keep working on growing stuff so can you build a site that makes a thousand dollars a month and then sit and do nothing until that slowly disappears over five years. Yeah, you can. But I think that's just not what most people do, especially because online marketing tends to be this kind of addictive thing. And the other reason that we wanted to do a podcast on that, at least for me, is that I do to some extent, and this is why I kind of feel like I always want revenge on the idea of passive income. I do to some extent feel like it's a lie. I'm glad like you were, that I was sucked in by the idea of passive income because I'm very happy where I am now. But I do feel like it's kind of a, a cheesy sales tactic. And the idea of really passive income is a like the promise of truly passive income or income that comes easily without doing anything is 
can feel like a lie when people aren't honest about what is required to create it, which is what we try to do, especially in the authority. Right, and market system. forces are at play here. So if it's really easy to do that, then everyone would just do that and no one in the world would do any work. So, you know, of course there are barriers to get there, but once you're there, what like let's say you have a, a business making 5K dollars a month and, you know, you're sitting on the beach working four hours a week or whatever. If you do that, chances are that someone else hungrier, more motivated is going to come and is going to start a similar website, a similar business, and is going to catch up with you and is going to overtake you. There are very low barriers to entry in this space. In 2017, as we're recording this, people are saying, you know, oh, the market's saturated. It's too late for online marketing. That's rubbish. People were saying that seven, eight, nine years ago when I first got started. And, you know, look how that turned out. The fact is, it's still a very young space, still plenty of opportunity to get in and get started. But that also means that you're not going to be the last person in there. So someone's going to someone's going to start after you and they're going to be chasing you and you got to stay ahead of them. And if you don't, they will catch up with you. They will overtake you. And, you know, even if you've built systems and processes in place that continue, let's say your content production, your link building, these kinds of things, if you take your foot off the gas completely, someone else is going to overtake you eventually. Now, it's quite fortunate in the way that at least we design authority sites in that you can sort of afford to to take your foot off the gas for, for a little bit and not really get punished too hard for it. I think in certain other businesses, you know, if you're uh, providing a service or something, that, that just wouldn't work at all. But in this case, uh, I think it's more realistic. But still, still, you can't expect to just sort of not really work for five years and still come out ahead uh, at, the, at the end of it. And it's just just completely unrealistic to expect that. Yeah, and we have a note here also when we were talking about before recording why some people shouldn't chase this myth. And one of the things that I liked what you said most, Mark, is that people who are motivated by the possibility of doing nothing rarely achieve that. And I would add on to that that those types of people typically fizzle out and quit sooner than people who might be motivated by different things. And that's one of the problems, I think, with passive income from a community standpoint is that, you know, like we built great communities and we take a lot of pride in that. In that process, we've seen lots of different types of people come through the door. And while we have lots of highly motivated, very smart people in our communities, we certainly have seen our share of people who are disappointed when they find out how much work is required to create passive income. And, you know, that comes from like the early 90s, 2000s, kind of get rich quick, like gold rush sales program type of stuff. But the motivation behind passive income is worth talking about too, because I don't like when people come in and are disappointed with how much work it is, because then, you know, they've wasted money and they don't want to do it and they might be better suited for something else. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as well. So I wrote down the note in the in the show notes we're going through that, you know, the the reason you shouldn't chase passive income myth is because uh, it requires a lot of work and the people who are chasing the idea of doing nothing don't really have it in them to do that. But I think it's not quite so black and white in that sense. Uh, And both of you and I, Perrin, are are sort of examples of this. Like we were, or at least I was certainly chasing the idea of doing nothing or not doing nothing, but doing little and Mm -hmm. being rewarded for that somehow. And 
I think ultimately what was like really going on there was I wasn't happy with my current situation in life. I didn't like my job. I didn't like this whole like nine to five career ladder thing. And a lot of people, especially in sort of 20s and 30s, like millennials, if you will, a lot of people are also sort of coming to when they graduate, come to face reality. And it's not all they've sort of been sold through going through the education system. So, you know, I totally get it. I've been there. I think about 15 minutes after I started my first proper job, I knew that this wasn't what I wanted to do. (laughs) And there are a lot of other people who are probably listening to this right now that feel the same. And that's absolutely okay to want to move away from that. And you can derive a lot of motivation from moving away from something which you dislike or something which causes you pain. Just be aware that you also need to source motivation from moving towards something you do want to achieve. And yes, it's very easy to start a site. Yes, it's very easy to make a basic level of income. But I promise you, once you get there, you'll get used to it very quickly and you want to progress further and further. You want to make more money. You want to go from making four figures to five figures to six figures a month. And it's all possible, but the latter stages of that are not really possible if you're just moving away from pain. You need to be moving towards that that reward. And that needs to be the sort of success growth-minded focus, which, which you perhaps won't have if you're currently sitting in a cubicle listening to this somewhere. That's probably the the more common pattern we see among our highly successful friends. It's is that they don't move away from pain towards nothing. They move away from something they don't like into something they really do like. And uh, for a lot of us, that is internet marketing. That is building websites. You know, like I don't like shaving, but I built a shaving site, and it wasn't. It was great fun. Not because I suddenly started liking shaving, but because I really ended up enjoying building websites and building links and writing content and, you know, the process involved in creating something that earns me money was highly rewarding. And that's probably what we see most often in our friends who are the most successful is that they end up really enjoying the process and they start moving towards that just because they like it. Yeah, I mean... It was just the other week I was writing uh, an SOP, which is like a standard operating procedure document about how our customer support team can pull invoices faster. And if you'd asked me seven years ago to do that in my old corporate job, you know, I would have probably wanted to kill myself. But doing that now in my own business, it was like probably the most fun I had all week, the other week. I don't know. There's just something I really enjoy about process optimization and really geeking out about how to make this as efficient, as effective as possible. And, you know, a lot of the things you just said there, Perrin, when you first started, you didn't go, I'm sure you didn't go into it thinking, oh man, I can't wait to start link building because you probably didn't really know what it was. But it's deriving pleasure and uh, it sounds super nerdy, but it's really true of all of the highly successful people I know. It's like you really start to care about these little things, which like really end up moving the needle eventually and success ends up becoming, it doesn't happen when you sort of have one amazing new idea that changes something. It's just a process over time of gradual improvement upon improvement. Yeah, if I was going to guess, I would say if tomorrow, for some reason, all of your businesses disappeared and you were magically placed in a cubicle and someone told you to build an SOP, it would still suck. 
And I think that's because, and this is true for me, it's a thousand times easier to care about something that I own, that I have built, as than it is to care about, you know, doing something for a job where I'm making somebody else money. And I think that's a big reason we see the myth of passive income evaporate for people is because people just do care about stuff that they've built. Let's talk about maybe degrees of passiveness because people are building sites and businesses, even amongst successful people who enjoy internet marketing. Some people like to work more than others. I personally know several colleagues who work twice as much as me, you know, and we're all successful, but some of us do prefer a higher degree of passiveness. Maybe let's talk about the spectrum of passivity. Yeah. So if you think of like, uh, it sort of comes back to the formula that I sort of laid out a little earlier, where like input multiplied by leverage equals output. So what we can understand by that is in order to get some output, some success, some make some money from your site, there has to be some input. You have to do something. It's not going to happen automatically. At a very basic stage, if you have an hourly job, as I mentioned before, working one hour will yield you, you know, X amount of dollars. Working two hours will earn you double that. Now, the whole idea with leverage is that you can work the same amount of time, but you can earn more money from that. So I'm just thinking of my own sort of personal experience here. I literally used to have a job for $15 an hour working online and then Beyond that, Gail and I first started a marketing agency back in, I think it was 2010. And we would essentially sell a marketing package to to website owners for $600, $599 a month. And obviously, it took a certain amount of time to perform the tasks there, do all the the background SEO stuff. Back in the day, it was super gray hat link building we were doing. But, you know, it quickly got to the point where we just couldn't really handle it. So in order to make more money, it wasn't a case of working more hours because there weren't any more hours in the day. It's a case of leveraging ourselves. So finding other people who could perform some of the tasks so that we could concentrate on the higher value tasks and then grow the business that way. And as I said, that's all business is, just uh, an endless succession of, of doing this. You know, if you think of a, a massive multi-billion dollar company, when the CEO comes up with some new idea or has some leadership conference and they get together and decide the future strategy or next year's organizational values or something, l- little things that, you know, they spend a day or half a day doing can turn out like to have a massive swing in output. So the leverage there is massive. On his exactly. time. Exactly. His or her time. Uh, so $15 an hour, say Mark Webster in his $15 an hour job, that would be an example of correct no leverage. And then what you're talking about with, with uh, the old marketing agency where you had no more time, but you were hiring people to do more stuff with your own money. So the input there is a little bit more money. That's what you would classify as a higher level of leverage. And then you're saying that the ultimate example of extreme leverage of time is the CEO who can walk into a board meeting or a management meeting and for one day set some strategy and the potential output for his eight hours of time is massive because he has so much leverage 
inside exactly. the company. And when it comes to this whole passive income thing, in the context of, of no leverage, some leverage, huge leverage, as, an, as I sort of outlined there, all passive income is, is hyper leverage with minimal input, right? So when you think of it in a simple formula like that, this really takes quite a lot of effort to create this scenario where you you can hyper leverage yourself. So with the same amount of effort, why can't you just, or actually with less effort to get there, you could probably just work six hours a week instead of four, but instead of taking two years to build that passive income business, it could take, you know, two months. That's the kind of numbers we're talking about here. And that's kind of why it's a bit of a, I don't know if we're PG rated or not, but it's a bit of a mind fuck really when you really think about it in those terms. Yeah. And the example you like to give is, you know, you're making X amount of dollars working four hours a week. If your time is leveraged to that degree, why not just work eight hours a week, which is one day and double your income? And of course, no math in the real world ever works out that neatly, but you guys kind of get the idea. Let's talk about how we actually increase the leverage for people who might have authority sites or who are just starting, and especially for those people who are going through the authority site system, if they're picking it up on this discount, how do you go from all of that hard hustle style work that you might put in up front to increasing, optimizing, maximizing your leverage so you can make your authority site or your online business a little bit more. Yeah. So I think first of all, it's worth saying that it's a very good thing to want to work hard and to really put in a lot of time and effort in your business, especially early on. So yeah, that's that's essential for, for success really. Now, the way to leverage yourself is really just builds. Hang on one second. I want to jump in here, and I just think this is important before we give the answer, because I was just going through comments on one of our posts, and I think looking at this now and looking at the comments, it was on the content writing post where I outlined my content writing system. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is not leveraging themselves, and I think that's where a lot of people are getting stuck, because one of the things I was seeing on that content writing article was just like... I just don't have the time to edit all these articles and I don't have the time to write all these articles and I'm a perfectionist. It takes me 10 hours to get through a single article. And so I think maybe it's important to point out that a lot of the frustration that's coming from people is just not leveraging their own time like we were talking about. So I thought that was important to point out. But going back to yeah, no, that's, 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 that's a classic entrepreneur's people. trap. So I actually studied business in a uh, university and it really didn't help me at all in like the first few years of starting a business. Only like now am I really starting to say, oh, actually, there was some some wisdom there. And one of the things they, they always say is it's like the, the entrepreneur's trap. Like they really struggle to give away tasks which they're doing themselves. And there's an element of sort of uh, pride and ego in there. And there's also a sort of perfectionism drive. But there's also, and this is something that has happened to me many, many times, is you wait too long to do that. You wait too long to build a system. You wait too long to hire people or outsource some of your parts of your process. The initial time investment it takes to to recruit someone, to build the SOP, to map out the system, or to find an agency, something to, to help you out, becomes so big and you don't have time for that. So you get kind of stuck in this trap of working in your business, not working on your business. So yeah, in terms of like what you can do, I mean, 
really it's all about from my perspective i think it's all about systems and there are certain things you can do once you understand the the systems in your business you can hire an agency to help you out if it's in the, the marketing end although i wouldn't really recommend that considering we're all hopefully people listening to this all good marketers but certainly traditional businesses would do that content you know i know you've hired uh, you have a content agency that, that works for you does a lot of your content for for some of your sites that's still going quite well yeah so just to give you an idea of how I'm leveraging my own time. Uh, and, and we've kind of broken this up here. Maybe it's good to go back and go through each of these separately, but we've broken it up into systems and services. And I am usually more comfortable with services than I am with systems. Systems take a lot more time, even though I think they're more effective in the long run. I like services because I'm highly impatient and I don't like to deal with like the hiring and the payroll and, and the HR, although I'm getting better at that stuff and I have hired people now. I have people, you know, I have like my first VA and that sort of thing, but I really like services and started a site this year and I wanted to launch it with like a couple hundred articles. If I were to have worked the same way I worked in the past, I would have written every single article until it was making money and then hired people. Now that I have more capital because I sold the site that we talk about in the, in the authority site system, I was able to instead hire an agency because I know people are going to ask us in the comments. It was word agents. We talk about word agents quite a bit. I was able to hire an agency uh, to do a couple hundred articles over like a month and a half. So that was uh, an example of, I think, high leverage because I was able to put in $20,000 or whatever. And in the course of six weeks, I got a hundred articles. If I were to try to do that myself, it would have taken me years of effort and I would have been earning money a lot further down the road. I would have still been writing right now, right? And I wouldn't have been able to focus on other stuff that the business needed, like building links. So I had those articles written in six weeks. And from that point on, I could focus on going out and doing some marketing, which was also successful. And it's why the site now, not even a year later, has a good chunk of traffic, you know? So I do like services, especially for stuff that is not quite as like strategy heavy. So like for content, it's possible to hire an agency and just like and write a really good brief and do a minimal amount of editing and get back some good articles. But there are other things that I really love services for too. And one of those is like stuff that I'm bad at. So I am awful with technical stuff. If I have a problem with WordPress and I go try to figure it out, it takes me 24, 48 hours to solve the issue. If I use a service like WP Fixit or WP Radius, I can pay $39. Someone comes in and fixes it within the hour, and I can go back to whatever else I need to do. So that $39 is another example of very high leverage on my time. I've essentially saved myself two full work days, maybe like 15 hours that I can use to build my business otherwise. And maybe one more example of stuff that might not be essential, but I feel like can add value to what I'm doing and create a higher output is stuff like design. So I like this service design pickle. It's like $370 a month, but you can use them to create like infographics for Pinterest, Pinterest graphics, featured images, that sort of thing. So services are one example of ways you can input money instead of time, which builds leverage. 
on your time. Yeah. And I actually just was going through this, something that came to my mind that actually loops back to the four hour work week. This is actually something you should definitely should believe in and apply from the book. So something that Tim says is to kind of think about your own time in terms of the hourly. So like what your own time is worth. I forget the exact method he does this. It's something like calculate how much money you're making a month and divide that by the hours you put in. That's your hourly. Once you actually start figuring that out, then what he recommends is anything which is any activity which you're doing, which is generating less than that or less than 20% below what that level is, I forget, you should outsource it. So if you're running, if you're starting authority site and you're writing all the content yourself, which is great, I've done it before and I, I definitely recommend at least at the start to do that. But let's say you're also, you know, doing a lot of the the publishing or the the editing, spell checking, something like that, which is much lower value. You know, the, the high value in that is the the actual coming up with the content and getting that down. Then you should break that process down and actually outsource the lower value parts of it. And this this doesn't necessarily just apply to the business. It's your time as a whole. So if you're spending two hours a week doing laundry and you value your time at, you know, twenty dollars an hour or more, hire a cleaner for ten bucks, fifteen bucks an hour. I mean, depending where you live, it's gonna vary. I don't know what it costs in certain places, but this is a kind of general way of thinking. And if you just apply that to your life as a whole, let alone the different parts of your business, then you'll naturally just focus on the high value activities. Yeah, and I can't remember where I saw this example. Maybe it was in the four hour work week or it was an article about the four hour work week. But one of the examples was like this broke grad school couple. They were getting their MBA and they eventually had like a really nicely running business and everything. But the point is that they were broke to start and they attributed a lot of their success to hiring people to do those low level activities like laundry or cutting their lawn or whatever. Even though they didn't necessarily have tons of money, they could spend more time building their business at the start. So it's something that you can take advantage of. Even if you don't have tons of money, I do want people to be careful about spending a bunch of money on like employees and stuff at right when you start your business, that's not what we're saying. And we do think it is important to you know work a lot on your own stuff. But if you have a business that's making money and your time starts to become more valuable, then it can be highly useful. Mark, I know that for our companies, you've been spending lots of time yourself working on these systems. And you know we are several years into our business and we do pretty well with all of our authority sites and stuff. Why are you working on it now and do you feel like it's worth Which systems specifically do you mean? Like content or link building? Yeah, like all the SO. I mean, so yeah, for people who are listening, for our authority sites, Mark has been working a lot in the last like year or so on both content systems and link building systems. And if you check us out on Ahrefs, you can probably see pretty stark examples of that. But also, we've been working on stuff for Authority Hacker with our small team here writing SOPs and that sort of thing. So why did you decide to yeah, start Yeah, so in, uh, in Mightingale's previous business, uh, which was the marketing agency, we grew our team very quickly. And it sort of ballooned into this massive organization, which was very inefficient. And, uh, you know, I saw that as kind of one of our biggest mistakes. And I kind of learned a lot from that. And I saw that starting to happen again 
I caught it very, very early on. I'm like, no, nah, this is not the way to, to go. Rather than just throwing people or throwing resources at the problem, it's much, in our case, the case of link building, it was much better to improve the efficiency of the of the system, of the of the process. So, I mean, it started off just little sort of hacks here and there, and then sort of built it all up into a coherent step-by-step system. And then all I did was just look, took one piece of that system at a time, one small, simple piece, which is easy to sort of get your head around and say, okay, how can we make this as efficient as possible? A good example would be when we're doing some skyscraper outreach, we were pulling a lot of data from Ahrefs and using some other tools to find email addresses. And there's a bit of Excel work here and there, which was quite a sort of manual process and was taking maybe uh, you know an hour, two hours, something like that a day. And so I'm like, well, this is just like a series of steps, which someone is repeating over and over and over again. This is a system, like let's automate it. So I just hired a guy on Upwork who created a, a macro for, I think it was about $100, 20 bucks an hour, something like that, to do this. And in one day, we basically saved an hour to two hours a day of, of someone's time. And then every single day that we u- utilize that macro, that time is saving. So like the ROI on spending time trying to improve efficiency there was immense. So that's kind of why I do it. <laughs> I had a similar experience. I just recently this year hired my first VA and I hired him to do like link building style tasks because I had a similar pain point. I had all these tasks that were costing me so much time. I wanted to hire someone and train them, hired someone, trained them, but he helps me with all kinds of stuff. And I have SLPs for a bunch of little different things around my business. I just recently started a project with with my brother that we're doing, you know, kind of nights and weekends in our free time. It's one that we've been talking about for a year. And we came across this problem that we needed solved. And I already had a person who was working with me and I already had an SOP for it. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so can already do this. And here's the SOP. And my brother took a look at it. He's like, great. And we, we, you know, we assigned it or whatever. And then it was done. And in my head, I was like, man, I saved this like two weeks of or what I had done before of like building a system and hiring somebody saved us two weeks of both of our time, which in my view was an extremely high return on the stuff that I had built before. And it wasn't even necessarily anything I was planning on. So if you want to learn more about that, we have a good podcast on SOPs at authorityhacker.com backslash SOPs. And we have an SOP expert, and it's a really good way to leverage your own time and create a little bit more passivity in your business. Yeah. Any closing thoughts? Uh, for you, no, I mean, I think we've, we've really covered, I think we've hit the nail on the head. Like passive income is not really a thing in the way that most people think it is. It's all about leverage. And leverage is just kind of the process of building a business, really, uh, and like a more optimal way of, of doing it. So yeah, that's, I, think, I think we've really covered it. Awesome. So if you guys want to look at the show notes, go to authorityhacker.com backslash passive dash income, and you can see links to some examples and a few of the notes on all the stuff we're talking about. I also want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast on the day it comes out, our system for building authority sites, including some of these things that help you make it a little bit more passive, that's going to be on a steep discount 
right now today. So normally the full price is like $9.97. The Black Friday price is $5.49. That's a 45% discount, not something we can offer for more than a day or so. So if you are looking to build your own authority site, especially if you're a beginner, but even if you're not, if you have a little bit of experience and you just want to learn our systems for doing it as efficiently as possible, definitely go check that out. The link to get that discount will be in yeah the show and notes. just to add this is um, probably the last time you'll ever see this price offered we're not one of these companies that runs discounts all the time or is, is constantly doing this this is a the first time we've ever done a black friday maybe the last time we've ever done a black friday deal i don't know so yeah really grab it now it's it's the last time you'll see it like this all right, guys, if you have any comments, as always, let us know in the show notes and we try to answer those as often as we can. Other than that, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.